I'd like you to get someone's name or face in your mind. I want you to picture either a name or a face of someone that if their life circumstances changed or your life circumstances changed and you did not see that person as often as you do now, then you would be really sad about that. Think about someone, if, if they got a new job and had to move away or, or your life circumstances changed and, and you moved away, maybe you got involved in some different things, maybe your kids got into a different age group and so you weren't running in the same circles. Think about someone that if you were not to see that person as often as you see that person now, you would be really sad about that. You have someone in your mind, a co-worker, family member, maybe a classmate. Now I want you to think about someone that if his or her life circumstances changed or your life circumstances changed and you hardly ever saw that person anymore, you'd be just fine with that. <laughs> think about someone that if, that if they moved or you moved or you changed jobs and you no longer had to interact with that person, you say, man, God, thank you so much for the blessings you have given. Do you have someone in your mind? Co-worker? Neighbor? Husband? Someone that you say, I just really have a difficult time with this person. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ have some wonderfully enriching relationships. There are people who energize us. When we walk away from spending time with those people, we walk away feeling better than we did before. But we also have some relationships that are very challenging for us person is smug, condescending, pretentious. person constantly is boasting about himself. Maybe they complain a good bit and every time you're around them there's always something wrong. Some of the people that we really have trouble dealing with are openly hostile towards us. They're enemies. They, they work against us. They maybe speak negatively to us. They for sure speak negatively behind our backs. And we recognize them as, as people who are, are enemies of ours. They, they do not want us to prosper. And then some of the people that are hard for us to deal with may not necessarily be our enemies. They're just irritants. They're people whose personalities rub us the wrong way and we do not enjoy spending time with them. The first category are people that I'm going to call dragons. They, they oppose us. And then the others are thorns. They're not, they're not necessarily trying to be difficult for us to get along with, but they are. How do we deal with those people? What is the right response to people that when we are in certain circles, we all can lock onto that person and say, man, he is terrible. 
How do we deal with those? Would you open your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter 3. Paul gave us some instructions for Christian living. And specifically today, we are going to apply these instructions to these relationships that we have with people who are hard to get along with. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, Paul wrote, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Then I want to read the rest of these verses. We're not going to come back to them. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There are a couple of insights that I would like to pass on before I get into the specifics of what the Bible tells us. First, none of us is able to isolate ourselves from difficult people. We can't live well enough. We can't say, God, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm really going to serve you well. None of us can arrange our circumstances so that we can avoid difficult people. God did not build our world system that way. He doesn't say to the people that, that love him most, I'm going to spare you from dealing with difficult people. It's not the way that God has arranged life circumstances. And so none of us is able to say, hey, if I just do enough for God, if I pray enough, if I serve enough, if I, if I do enough, if I can just please Him enough, then I will get away from difficult people. We're all going to face them. They are a reality in our lives. The second idea that I want to give before I get into what the Scriptures tell us specifically is that Paul said that our method in dealing with people who are hard to get along with is something that we must work on daily. The metaphor that Paul used here to describe what he's talking about is a clothing metaphor. Do you see that there in verse 12? Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. He said, now, these instructions only are going to apply to people who belong to Jesus Christ. And then he said, this commandment, put on. We put on clothes. Now, I don't know how you decide what you're going to wear to church on Sundays. Some of you may plan that out on Saturdays. You may look in the closet and you may say, okay, I, I'm, going to wear, I'm going to wear this outfit tomorrow. I'm going to wear this shirt, these pants. Some of you may reach into the closet and the very first thing that your hand touches... That is what you have chosen to wear today. Some people look at what they have available and they say, what is the least dirty item that I have? What, where are the clothes that were not clean enough to hang back up in the closet but not dirty enough to put in the washer? They're on a chair or a treadmill somewhere. That's what I'm going to wear today. But no one 
awakened this morning and said, you know what? The weather has been spectacular lately. It's been sunny. It's been clear. The temperatures have been pleasant. I think I'm going to church naked. <laughs> not one person decided whether or not they were going to wear clothes. Now, we did decide what clothes we were going to wear, but we did not make a decision about whether or not we were going to wear clothes. We, uh, we knew it. We, we knew I cannot not go out to meet the day until I get dressed. Paul said, listen, you are going to encounter difficult people. So whether or not you get dressed isn't an option. If you are going to come to the end of the day and say, I made it through another day with X, we have to, just as naturally as we put on our physical clothes, we have to put these clothes on that Paul mentioned here. And he gives us several of them. And so that's what I want us to focus on today. How do we get along with people who are hard to get along with? We dress in these character traits. Paul says, put on compassion. The Holy Spirit inspired this book to be written. Paul's the one who put the words down on paper. He's the one who, who had the quill and he put the words on paper. But the Holy Spirit is the one who guided Paul as he wrote. And I do not believe that the word compassion is first in the list by accident. I think it was divinely orchestrated to put compassion in the list first. And here's why. The people who are hard for us to get along with are difficult people for a reason. Nobody who is happy enjoys, being, uh, enjoys making other people miserable. No person who is healthy and whole on the inside enjoys being a thorn in someone else's side. The people who were on our minds earlier that we say, if I never had to interact with him again, that would be amazing. Those people are the way they are because something isn't right inside. One of the things that Christian counselors tell us is that when a person is defensive and easily offended, almost always at the core of their immature behavior is a feeling of inadequacy. I'm not measuring up. I'm not doing a good enough job here. And so when someone... Uh, uh, says something about it, I take it personally. It, it comes from something not being right inside. I've told you before about my time at Mount Vernon. I loved being there. All of the times that I was the student minister, they were just fantastic for me. And one of the reasons is because almost every single person in that church loved me, cared about me, supported me, encouraged me, rallied around me, helped me, served with me, almost everyone. There, however, was a group of about three ladies, three older ladies, that no matter what I did, it was wrong. 
And if I did this, I should have done that. And if I did that, I should have done it another way. And I had tried to make peace. I had offered to meet with them. I would go by their Sunday school class on Sunday mornings, just coming by to say hello. You know, is there anything you want to tell me? Oh, no, no, doing a wonderful job. (laughs) And then they would share with each other all the things that I was doing wrong. I am a peace-loving person. When you've got a body like this, you have to control it. You can kill somebody. (laughs) And so I typically am able to manage anger. I I, I am not an explosive person. I don't don't end up typing things that I generally regret later. I'm able to kind of control that. But I was frustrated and had had enough. Because I had offered to talk, and they would never agree. And so finally, one day, I was going to force the issue. And there was one specific lady that was kind of the ringleader, and I was ready for a showdown with her. And so I had prayed, I had prepared, I had done everything that I could to get ready. I had even gone to deacon's meeting the previous Sunday to learn some profanity that I could share in that conversation. <laughs> and so I was, I was ready. And just before she was scheduled to come by the church office, I called an older pastor friend just to kind of bounce off what I was going to say. And I, when I called him, I said, look... I don't really need any feedback or, or, you know, I'm not looking for any, well, you ought to try to say this. I just want to kind of run this by you so that when she gets here, some of the intensity will be gone. I won't be, I won't be as intense as I am right now. So if I say it, get it out. And I said everything that I intended to say and was going to confront her about. And the phone was silent for longer than natural. And I thought we had been disconnected. I thought maybe he had driven through a bad area or something like that. I said, are you still there? And he said, Gary, I want to tell you a sentence that you need to remember as long as you are a minister. And so I got my little pad out. I thought he was going to teach me how to call down curses on someone or something like that. And he said this four-word sentence. Hurt people hurt people. And at first, the way that he said, he didn't say it exactly with the spacing that I just did. And I did not, I didn't understand what he meant. He said, Gary, it's only hurting people who enjoy hurting others. It's only people who are not right inside that enjoy being defensive and prickly. Those are the people that are hard to get along with. I viewed those three ladies differently from that point on. One of them was in a loveless marriage. I had never seen any affection or, com- or tenderness expressed between her and her husband. 
One of them had a daughter who was one of the wildest children in New Hope. And people were talking about her wild ways. And another one had been through a really bitter, nasty, ugly divorce. And I started viewing those hard-to-get-along-with ladies differently that day. Now, they were still hard to get along with. But I viewed them with compassion. Or at least tried to. The people who were on our minds earlier are the way they are because something isn't right in here. And so we should seek to understand why is he like that? Why is she that way? There are reasons. Paul said if we're ever going to be able to get along with the people who are hard to get along with, we have to understand it is their fault. The way that they act is completely on them, but there are some reasons that cause them to act the way that they do. So Paul says we view each other with compassion. Second, he said that we need to clothe ourselves with kindness. One of the compromises that we Christians make when we are thinking about people who are hard to get along with is we say, you just don't bother me and I won't bother you. You don't do anything against me and I won't do anything against you. Paul, however, doesn't give us that option. He doesn't say that we can just avoid each other or pass by each other. I've shared this with you before, but you know that there are people in the grocery store that when we say, oh, the peanut butter's down this row, oops, she's over there. And so you go to the next row so that you don't even have to be on the same row with that person. Paul said, we who have been saved by Jesus Christ do not have that option. We can't just say, let's be neutral. Paul says the bigger person is one who says, I will show kindness to this person. Now, we can't control what that person is going to do. A relationship takes two people to make right. But what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 18 is, as much as it depends upon you, you be at peace with that person. You can't control them. They may still be prickly. They may still be you know, working against you. But he says, you don't be that way. And so he says, we clothe ourselves with compassion. We clothe ourselves with kindness. And then the third piece of clothing that he mentions is we clothe ourselves in humility. Paul says, look, before we get in on our high horse, before we start riding in and say, oh, this poor, miserable person, what a wreck he is, what a wretched person he is, Paul says, hold on. Because if someone catches us in the wrong moment, we can be pretty hard to get along with too, can't we? So Paul says, before we start thinking, the other person is all at fault and I am completely in the clear, Paul says that we clothe ourselves in humility. 
and say, there may be some dragon-like traits that I have to work on. There may be some thorn-like characteristics that I need to address. And so we, we clothe ourselves in humility, recognizing that none of us is perfect, and we all have areas where we need to work if we are going to be able to get along with people who are hard to get along with. The next idea that Paul says is there in verse, four, or in verse 12. It's the fourth trait. He says we need to clothe ourselves with gentleness. This word is one of my favorite Bible words. One of the ways that Bible scholars figure out what words mean is as they uncover other archaeological documents they start comparing and saying, now wait a minute, okay, in this news story, this history book, this word is used this way, so, so that's probably what it meant over here. You know, if there are words and they're trying to get clarification or trying to figure out exactly what's going on, they start looking at other pieces of, of literature that were written at the same time, and then that helps them understand what these words mean. This, this word for gentleness has several different contemporary usages. One of them that you probably have heard, it's the one that preachers use most commonly when preaching on blessed are the gentle. It's the same word, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said blessed are the meek. It's a form of the same word. And you probably have heard preachers use this, this word picture. It refers to a wild horse that was caught out in the wilderness. You know, a, a cowboy goes out and he sees, you know, uh, some wild horses running and he goes out and he lassos one and he brings it in and that horse is strong and it's bucking and, and the, the, he kind of ties the horse up so that it, it gets used to being still and then maybe he walks out there and just places his hand on the horse's back and the horse at first kind of bristles and then eventually he might put a saddle on it, then he might sit on it and then he might ride it. The horse is still just as strong as it was when it was racing out in the wilderness, but now that strength is under control. That's what this word gentleness means. It doesn't mean that, that we become doormats. It doesn't mean that we just say, hey, you just treat me however you want. That's fine. I'll just keep taking it. Sometimes we have to confront those people that are hard for us to get along with, but we don't do it full force. We do it with our strength under control. We do it gently, like a horse under control. There are, however, a couple of other contemporary documents that give us other word pictures. One of them refers to a breeze. Now, we've, we've all seen the damage that wind can do when it is too strong, right? You've had shingles ripped off your houses. You, you may have, have roofs that have been torn off. We have seen the damage that a wind can do when it comes on full force and it's too strong. That's too much, Paul said. We also, however, have been out working in the yard on a sweltering day and the air would be you know, thick and humid. Do you remember when Rob Smith was the meteorologist on WCBI? When it was a really humid day, he would say the air is juicy. And you know what it is like when you are working and it just feels like you are sweltering and then a breeze comes along. A gentle breeze and it's refreshing. Then another way that this word is used is a way, it is a usage 
of where doctors would prescribe a proper dosage of medicine. person has some sort of infection or virus or, or you know, whatever going wrong, and a doctor prescribes medicine, but he prescribes it in the proper dosage or as this, a gentle dosage. You don't want to take too much of the medicine. That can be damaging. But you don't want to avoid the medicine. That, that won't do any good. You get right in the middle with gentle. And Paul says that's the way that we have to confront the people that are hard for us to get along with. We can come on full force and just bulldoze people. Paul says that won't work. He said, but at the same time, you can't just ignore it and let it go on. If you don't take the medicine or you don't have the horse to, to ride or the sweltering air, you don't have the breeze, he said, that's not any good either. Gentle. Now, we guys particularly may think this way. There are some times that you sit and say, you know what would fix that guy's attitude? A pop in the mouth. And I'm not denying that it might not work, but it won't be good long term. Paul says we have to be gentle with the people that are hard for us to get along with. Then he says, let's be patient. The person that you're thinking about did not get to be as mean as she is overnight. She won't become an angel overnight either. Took a long time for that person to develop these patterns of behavior and these ways of acting. And so Paul says, look, don't, don't say, man, I'm clothing myself in these, tra- I'm clothing myself in these traits. I, I, I'm compassionate. I am kind. I am humble. I am gentle. And you know what? She's still awful. He still is an whatever. Paul said, just be patient. Don't give up. Don't say, man, I tried that for a whole week. You know how that's what we do when we're exercising. Man, I exercised all day yesterday. Didn't lose a pound. <laughs> Takes time for results to come. And so Paul says we need to be patient. And then he moved on and said in the next verse, he spent more time on this than any other trait. A whole verse on it, verse 13 bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against a, a grievance against another just as the Lord has forgiven you so you are also to forgive Paul said when you're thinking about that person that's really hard for you to get along with think what Jesus did for you He said you have to forgive That isn't an option. We can't say, well, you don't know what this person did. You don't know how many people this person bothers. You don't know how how difficult it is. I don't know any of those things, but I do know that Jesus Christ forgave every single one of our sins. And we are not entitled to say, but I'm holding on to what they did against me. Forgiveness sometimes gets a mis misapplication you you may have heard people say uh, if you have to forgive and forget and they think that if they still have the memory in their minds of what that person has done to them that they haven't forgiven I completely disagree with that idea our minds hold on to things 
Forgiveness is the release of the desire to get even. I'm not a revenge taker. I never have been. My parents weren't, you know, they didn't act that way, so I didn't learn that from them. I, I, at least I don't think that I am. I'm not a person who actively works against people that I think have hurt me, but I will confess to you, I don't mind when I see bad things happen to them. When I say, oh, that's right, look at what you did. You messed with the Lord's favorite. Now look at what you're having to deal with. Paul says, no. What we do is say, Jesus forgave me every evil, wicked, rotten sin I ever committed. And that's what he calls me to do. Paul mentioned one final piece of clothing in verse 14, he said, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The commentaries that I've read over the past two or three weeks aren't unanimous about what they think Paul meant here. When, when he wrote above all, some of the scholars believe that he meant to put on love like an overcoat. Like it's over everything else. You know, you've got all of these other layers of clothing and now the overcoat of love is what, what the first... Uh, the, love is what people see first when they see us. And maybe they are right. There are other scholars and commentaries who believe that Paul meant to put on love like a belt so that this trait holds everything else in place. It makes sure that they don't get shifted or, or you know, fall off or something like that. Either way, Paul says, we need to make sure that we clothe ourselves in love so that the people who are hard for us to get along with will know that we love them and want to get along with them. Just because we are part of the body of Christ doesn't mean that we will not have difficult people in our lives. It's a guarantee. It's a certainty. What we are to do is not be the difficult people in others' lives and to, in those relationships that are hard for us, be the Christ-like agent to seek reconciliation. We're going to have a symbol of that type of reconciliation here. We're going to observe communion together.